Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of Wisdom's Echo. This is a daily podcast brought to you exclusively by Origin Gate. My name is Elijah Ward, and it's my incredible honor to share with you uh, some insight that I've been meditating on as it relates to sin, grace, and holiness. Now, as believers, we understand what it means to hunger for the things of God. In fact, lately, ever since this conference we had recently where I had a chance to hear Stevie McKee pour out about holiness, it has just ignited a fire in me to continue aligning myself, my natural desires, my supernatural desires, every hunger of my flesh, every uh, kind of inclination of the totality of my being, everything to be in alignment um, in a way that would draw me into a deeper proximity to that place of holiness. And, you know, I was sharing with my wife the other day, telling her that I, I, I have this passion in me, this hunger in me to be so full of Yahweh. I just want to be burning with the fire of heavenly realms. I want to be so consumed with the desire to draw deeper into places of intimacy with him every day. And I want that desire to not just set me on fire, but I want it to set my family on fire. I want my family to see that and to experience that. And I want our family to influence our neighbors and our um, other family members and friends and complete strangers that we come into contact with. I want them to be full of the fire and the passion and the hunger for for Yahweh. And um, and I was you know kind of meditating on what I was sharing with her about how badly I want other people to experience that same hunger that I feel, that same fire that I feel. And you know I was thinking about why more people don't. And it's pretty evident when you, you can open a social media app um, for just a few minutes, Instagram, Facebook, whatever, and just start scrolling and you can observe right there in front of your face the object and probably the root of all the reasons why more people that we know aren't encountering some of those same hungers and passions for the Father. And it manifests in the form of, you know, all these perversions of the mind and the flesh, self-destructive speech, um, self-destructive behavior, stuff that we're elevating, we're putting on some pedestal by giving it the viral attention that it never deserved. Uh, sexual immorality, sexual confusion, people thinking that they are, uh, they have some sexual orientation or biological gender that doesn't even exist, that doesn't align with the plan and the purpose of Yahweh. Um, you know, all these ways that this distorted identity is manifesting um, in a public sense, in hatefulness. I mean, we are promoting dishonor on social media because we think it's funny for, uh, for young people to dishonor older people or to dishonor things that, are, that we know are the right way in our heart, but we're somehow allowing it to go viral because we're letting it become entertainment for us. It's stuff I don't understand but I also understand at the same time, you know, there's this human tendency in us to do all these things and to act a certain way. And anybody who hasn't come into this degree of encounter with the Father to allow that burning fire and passion to consume them would never understand why it's, uh, why all of these things are so detestable. And so I've just been meditating on and hovering over and holding in my heart like the world around me. Like, my desire is for people to encounter the same 
degree of love that we encounter with Yahweh, to have that same experience with holiness and to have that same understanding of grace and the beauty of the message of Christ. And uh, But, you know, one of the things that we can do as believers is really remove ourselves from those that culture. You know, actually in Scripture, holiness, when you look at it, you get down to the root word, it has a lot to do with being different. Um, the root word has to do with uh, being set apart, being separated, being different. In fact, in um, Ezekiel chapter 44, when it talks about the ministry of the sons of Zadok in the temple, it says that they are to distinguish between what's holy and what's common. And so we see this um, pattern throughout Scripture of holy things being anything but common. And so when we, if we desire to really set an example for what it means to be holy, we have to be okay with being different. We have to be okay with not laughing at some of the things that our culture laughs at, not sharing some of the things that our culture shares on Instagram and on Facebook, not taking part in some of the same Uh, winds of outrage that are moving people, even politically, even things that I know are actually unjust. I get that. And there are things that will draw our attention that might actually be a cause that somebody is rightfully standing for, but it's a cultural behavior and it didn't root itself from out of heavenly realms. So I'm not going to participate in things that didn't first begin in the womb of my father's heart. I want to carry those desires. And you know, um, I want to talk, share a little bit about grace. I read some commentary that really inspired me this week um, because I've been meditating on this grace. You know, grace is our power as believers to no longer conform to those behavioral patterns that are indicative of this culture that has consumed us. And, um, you know, Scripture mentions grace, especially Paul. He says in, um, in Romans chapter 6, Uh, Starting in verse 12, it says this, Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life, and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. For sin will have no dominion over you, since you are not under law, but under law grace. So there's this incredible introduction scripturally of this concept of grace. Now, grace is not what a lot of people make it out to be. And I've heard Grant Mahoney talk about greasy grace, and I think that's a hilarious way to to, to put it. But grace is not what a lot of people think it is. It's actually the power of what Mashiach did to activate us into a lifestyle above human tendency. So it's not about being pardoned to continue submitting to the tendencies of of humanity. But Paul actually walked through this by saying he, he really wanted to make this clear when he asked a question, does grace mean we continue in sin? And his answer was by, uh, by no means. And so we can understand as we engage um, the scriptures that grace is not just some pardon. It's actually a power. And we are in this age of grace where we are activated continually each day by this power to live in a way that is completely uncommon to all of those who participate in the culture of the world. Um, I love the way this, um, this author put it. I was reading about this and uh, he said this. He said, Because, uh, let me start a little bit further back, it says this, 
the tension surfaces here be between what God has already accomplished and the responsibility of his people to obey. They are still tempted by desires to sin and must not let those desires gain control. Each day they must give themselves afresh to God. Quote, sin will have no dominion over you, unquote, is not a command but a promise that sin will not triumph in the lives of Christians because they live in the era, a new era of fulfillment. They are no longer under the old era of redemptive history. That is, they are no longer under law, where the Mosaic law and sin ruled over God's people. By contrast, under grace is a phrase that means living under the new covenant with Christ in an era characterized by grace. I think that's such a powerful way to walk through the journey of what it means to no longer be bound by sinful tendencies, but to live in grace, powered by grace, activated in this measure and this function of grace so that we can live in a way that is not common. Because there's there's something that a lot of people don't want to talk about is that if we if we remain common in our behavior in our even in our thinking we're not going to introduce anything into the earth that's going to catalyze the appearance of of what Christ intended for us to do and that's on earth as it is in heaven to introduce the very government the culture whatever you want to call it into the earth is not going to be done by common behavior by common language by anything common because we know holiness is not the result of even common behavior that might be good it's still common we are called into an uncommon degree of uh, of devotion to Yahweh an uncommon way of holding fast to what we know is right and good and not going with the wind and the waves of everything the culture is going for but to go against the grain to stand in the face of any adversity and say this is the right thing this is the word this is the truth and to not let anything move us from that position but to stand firm um uh, let me just go a little bit further I've, I've i wanted to read this scripture as well um you know i found that it's so interesting that in the course of history, something that took place was that sin was actually the result of a man engaging with a decision tree. And I'll read this scripture to tell you who that man is. But then there's also another tree that takes place throughout the course of human history um, where there's another occurrence as it relates to sin. Let me read Romans chapter 5, verse 12 through 15. It says this, Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, and death through that sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned, for sin indeed was in the world before the law was given, but sin is not counted where there is no law. Yet death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those whose sinning was not like the transgression of Adam, who was a type of the one who was to come. Selah. But the free gift is not like the trespass. For if many died through the one man's trespass, how much more have, um, much more have the grace of God and the free gift by the grace of that one man, Yeshua the Christ, abounded for many. And so, you know, where Adam engaged this decision tree to fall into this state of forgetfulness about his current state of being as in the image of God, Later, we see another decision tree, and I love calling it a decision tree. It's something that's just been resonating in my spirit, the decision tree. 
Yeshua engaged at this decision tree to secure himself to what would be his tov, his finish, to be impaled at the deciding stake and to really not just take sin on himself, but to become sin and really to become this vacuum portal that swallows the totality of sin and death throughout the timeline, the sin and death that stained the timeline of human existence and really take it and just cast it inescapably into this pit of eternal nothingness. All of this stuff has been removed from us as far as the East is from the West, right? We've all heard that. But it's something that takes place in our mind. We have to really grab hold of this revelation that we can live in an uncommon way. We can be powered by grace because in the same way that at the decision tree in the beginning, Adam fell subject to sinful tendency, at the, in the same manner, sin was dealt with at a decision tree called Yeshua's Tav, where sin was not just removed, it was completely eradicated. And so we really have no excuse. Like we have to live uncommon. And this is why I'm sharing about this today because I'm so empowered by this truth. And I'm so driven to really digest this and learn how to discuss this with other believers. It's something that I really want to be. I want to be an example in the culture. I don't want to be an excuse. I don't want to be the Christian that people use as an excuse to do things they know aren't right. Well, like, oh, well, you know, Pastor Elijah does it. Or, well, that's fine because I know Oracle Elijah says these things and stuff like that. No, I want to be the reason why they don't. I want to be the example to live according to a higher standard, not the excuse by which people undermine their own the call of their own scroll to satisfy for a lower standard of existence and a lower frequency of life. You know, we just have no excuse. We have to be holy. And I love the way Stevie's heart cry is to be holy. It's so powerful. I would encourage you to go listen to some of Stevie McKee's teachings. It's so encouraging. We have to find this. We have, we have to submit to the right hunger. We have to d- abandon the hunger of this culture. We've got to abandon. If you have to get off of social media to stop to learning, you know, to learn how to stop laughing at some of the stuff that we think is funny and entertaining ourselves with some of the same pictures and videos that were once entertaining but but have no value and carry no substance to the life of a believer to the life of somebody full of the holy spirit to a king and a priest to somebody who's sitting as a king in in heavenly places in that seat with mashiach we can't act the same way and and say with our mouth in truth that oh we're seated with christ in heavenly places no there's no evidence for that in your behavior in your language we have to choose holiness over this human impulse and i think when we do it really you can even feel it you'll you'll know what i'm talking about when i say that it sends this activating surge of power into our personal sense of mind will and emotions. It energizes us to govern our mind and our body when we encounter grace and we choose, when we choose holiness. When we just decide, I'm not going to think this way, I'm going to choose to think this way. It activates us. It energizes us. It's this electricity of grace. And it's not our license, grace again, it's not our license to disregard sin, to ignore it, or, or, or to become okay with it. It is our power to subdue it. And it's our right to suffocate it. And to remind ourselves that Yeshua dealt with this 2,000 years ago at a decision tree outside the walls of Jerusalem on the very same hilltop called Golgotha, which means the place of the skull, at the very location where the bones and the remains of the first Adam is buried. 
Yahweh made it a point to bring us all the way back around full circle to confront the very problem that was introduced by the first Adam in the life and in the body and in the biology and in the being of the last Adam. Whoa! Oh! Oh my gosh, that is so good. So I just want to, I just want to, you know, bless you with this. And, and I want to invite you to allow this to become your heart cry as well. You know, um, meditate on this. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says this, For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So I invite all of you today to, to set your heart and your desire on fulfilling that dream of Yahweh to become the righteousness of God. We can do it. We can align our minds. We can disregard the culture of the world. And we can satisfy the heart of Yahweh as we operate in this beautiful law, in this beautiful function, in this beautiful power that Yahweh calls grace. So I bless you with that. I declare grace and peace over you immeasurably. I declare a transcendent power would overtake you today and that you would go with you everywhere you go, first to yourself, first to your family, first into your marriage, first into your children, and then to the world around you. Again, this is Elijah Ward on Wisdom's Echo, and I look forward to the next podcast. Shalom.